Uh, social media is a fascinating place, isn't it? Uh, it's dangerous, but it is an interesting place. Uh, I particularly find it fascinating reading some of the comment sections on different articles or different news events, because all of a sudden, all the experts in the world just rock on up. They, they write their comments with such apparent wisdom and knowledge that they think that they are the wisest people on the earth. Uh, this particularly happens with sport. You know, if Kevin Walters just did X, Y, and Z, then the Brisbane Broncos would be back to premiership winning form. Uh, or the PM, you know, if the PM just does this and that, then, you know, Australia would be great. Uh, it's almost always human nature to think that we are the smartest people on earth, uh, that we have all the wisdom, that no one has ever thought of what we had thought before. And it's also the nature of worldly people to think that us as humanity can know everything, uh, that science is all that there is, that there's no longer any need for God that we are all powerful, that, uh, that there's no one with any greater ability than the human mind. You know, we can do anything if we put our heads together. But Paul tells us right here in 1 Corinthians that this simply isn't the case. Our greatest human wisdom doesn't even come close to God's folly. And the most surprising and most glorious news of all is that God even uses the ultimate instrument of shame and folly not to save the greatest and best of people, but the humble and the least of people. So Paul has just been writing to the church, just before we jump in, about the different cliques and factions within the Corinthian church. Uh, as we saw last week, some people who had been following different leaders and things were beginning to turn ugly. Uh, there were quarrels, there were grudges, but Paul cuts these right down because there is to be none of this in Christ's church because it is indeed Christ's church. So he says in uh, 1 Corinthians 1.13, was Paul crucified for you? Or we could say, was Apollos crucified for you? Or was Piper or Carson or Keller Christ crucified for you? The answer is no. Only Christ died for us, so follow him. This is what Paul proclaimed and taught while he was with them, Christ crucified. And not with fancy language or tidy sentences or persuasive speech, as the Corinthians loved. No, just the simple gospel of the death and resurrection of Jesus because it is the power of God. How so? Well, let's look together at verse 18. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. See, nothing compares to God's wisdom and God's power in the cross. So then why would Paul go on teaching about anything else? Uh, the cross is central. The cross is essential. But it's not exactly what we would have thought God would do, isn't it? I mean, it's so incredible. It's so strange. It's so out of this world, isn't it? God saving his people by God's self dying for them. It could seem foolish. I remember once when I was working in cafes, I worked at this place, and when you work behind a coffee machine with someone, you know, you get a good chance to have a good old chat. And so my co-worker asked me a question which left me kind of stumped. He asked, 
Michael, what is it that you actually believe? Now, I would love to say that I gave a textbook answer, is now the world-leading evangelist, uh, but no, I stumbled and fumbled my way through two ways to live, and I remember thinking to myself as I was speaking, this must sound like nonsense to him. Is this even sinking in? This makes no sense. Now, if you want to do a better job than me, go along to the Centre for Work and Faith Frontline Monthly Meeting this Wednesday. But here's the thing. What type of God is our God? What type of God comes down in human flesh as a baby needing his nappy changed? What type of God grows up for him to be rejected by his family? Whose idea was it for God himself to be arrested, put on trial, mocked, shamed, and crucified? What type of plan is this? This doesn't seem all that wise. This doesn't seem all that powerful. What God does this? This seems weak. But the message of the cross is the very power by which we are saved. Sin defeated, death gone, life is ours because of the cross. And notice Paul isn't ashamed or embarrassed by this either, but he just he shows it off. It's a foolish message that frustrates human knowledge and human power because the gospel isn't human-made. We didn't make it up. It is God-planned. It's perplexing. It's glorious. It's wonderful. It's humbling. It's uplifting. It's saving. It's powerful. The people of the world will call it foolish. But for us who are being saved, it is the power of God. And you know, the, the world seems to think that it is wise, doesn't it? It feels quite superior, uh, quite secure. You know, we are sold the lies that if we eat this food, use this cream, cut these emissions, buy this device, buy this medicine, exercise in this way, listen to this podcast, meditate on this, play this instrument, befriend these people, throw out this stuff, have this many kids, save this amount of money, recycle this much material, then we'll live a long and happy and prosperous life for centuries to come. This is worldly wisdom. But it completely misses out God completely. He's out of the picture. In fact, belief in him is becoming more and more of a joke to the world. People call Christians fools for believing in God. But you see, this is the most foolish thing for people to think. The most foolish thing for someone to think is that they don't need God. Because we so totally and utterly do. Because God took the rejection of him, took the rejection of Jesus and the death of Jesus and used it to save his people. Look with me at verse 21. For since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not know him, God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. Jews demand signs and Greeks look for wisdom But we preach Christ crucified, 
a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles. Uh, you see, the Jews couldn't handle a crucified Messiah. Uh, Deuteronomy 21 tells us that cursed is anyone who hangs on a tree. You know, we can't have a cursed Messiah. Uh, the Greeks and Gentiles couldn't even imagine worshipping a crucified king. Uh, the gods were crowned with honour and, and splendour and glory. But crucifixion was the ultimate display of one's own shame. We can't worship a crucified king. In fact, a piece of graffiti was discovered in 1857 from the 3rd century. And it shows a man on a cross with a donkey's head and a man beside it looking up to the person on the cross. And has the inscription, Alexamenos worships his God. A donkey. A fool. That's what the Greeks thought of Jesus. The cross was an insult. But you see, this is what we preach. That this very instrument of shame and weakness is actually the instrument of glory and power for us who believe. It's only through the cross that we can be forgiven. It's only through Christ's resurrection that we can have life. It is the ultimate demonstration of God's power that sin was taken, death was crushed, the curtain was torn. A path was made to the Father through Jesus' death. And this is higher than any human wisdom. This is greater than any human strength. This is God's power. This is God's power for God's people. Now, who is it that God saves? Who makes up God's people? Well, human wisdom would say, you know, maybe people who've done a lot of good in the world or been good influencers. So, uh, Gandhi, he probably deserves a spot. Uh, Michelle Obama, she's done some good things. Let's add her in. Uh, Bill Gates has given a lot to charity, so he's, he's probably in. Isaac Newton has had a lot of brains and contributed a lot to society, so let's put him in. But, of course, there needs to be some musicians in there, so let's put in Mozart as well. But no... <laughs> That's not how God operates. Who are God's people? Look with me at verse 26. Brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. Who does God choose? bunch of nobodies. There are no influencers, no celebrities, no TikTok stars, no Pharisees, no emperors, just everyday people who are saved by God's grace like you and me. God has chosen you to be part of his people, not because of anything that you are or anything that you have done, but simply because of his sheer amazing grace. And all throughout history, God has chosen and used weak unable and foolish people for his purposes. I mean, Abraham and Sarah, they were pretty old. Uh, they were up to 90. And God used them to bring about the nation of Israel through their son. Uh, Moses wasn't all that confident in speaking and insisted that his brother comes with him. Weak. God used him to rescue his people. Uh, David was just a small shepherd boy in front of the towering Goliath. But God used him to rescue Israel, much to the shame of Saul. Jonah, 
Jonah literally ran in the opposite direction from what God told him to do. Weak. But God used his five-word sermon to convert a whole city. Jesus was born in a backwater town in a stable. Nailed to a cross. Weak. But this was God's plan to bring about salvation. See, our God is in the business of shaming the strong, of using weak and everyday people like you and me for his purposes. Friends, we are instruments in God's hands to be used for his glory. And let me tell you, this is such a great relief. See, when we come to church and when we come to small group or when we serve on various teams, we don't have to have our lives all together. Uh, There's no need to keep up appearances here. There's no need to try and act good enough for God or good enough for each other. Because we are family. We are all sinners who have been saved by grace. That's the bottom line. There is nothing that we can boast in. Paul says that we were foolish, weak, and lowly. And I say, praise God, because that is exactly how I feel. Putting on a happy face is exhausting. Pretending that life is all good when it really isn't all good gets old very quickly. But to be God's people, we don't have to be like this. The world may teach us to be like this because it's the polite thing to do, but we aren't of this world. We are God's people. Saved by grace. Not because of our appearances. And it's when we recognize this and turn to Jesus that we are the wisest of all. We are told constantly in the Old Testament, the beginning of all wisdom is to fear the Lord. And to fear the Lord is to repent and to turn to him, to find our life in Jesus. And so we are made righteous. We are made holy. We are forgiven. We are right with God. We are redeemed from our lowly state and will be crowned with a victor's crown when Christ comes again. We are God's people. We are the church, unfiltered. And you see, the world in its worldly wisdom may choose to deride Christians and shame them. We are in a world where we are under pressure, and some of our front lines may be growing more hostile to our beliefs. But if we stick with Jesus, and as he is with us, we will never be put to shame in God's eyes. Our names can never be rubbed out of the Lamb's book of life. Nothing can take away our salvation. And so we can boast. We can boast in this great news of Jesus Christ crucified and nothing can take us from his hand. We are God's people. We are also God's messengers. Uh, Now, in Corinth in the first century, people who gave great public speeches were the gurus of the day. They were the sporting heroes of the day. 
Uh, the orators were gurus who went around giving very refined speeches with different wisdom, convincing arguments, and refined eloquence. Uh, the modern equivalent today would be people who give TED Talks or motivational speakers. Uh, now, Paul's mission, in his mission to the churches, he didn't use these techniques. All he did was to present the gospel. Uh, so look with me at chapter 2, verse 1. And so it was with me, brothers and sisters. When I came to you, I did not come with eloquence or human wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you, except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Now, this doesn't mean that he just went around in monotone saying words about Jesus. No, but this does tell us that he didn't rely on such techniques. He wasn't going to pander to the crowds in order to gain popularity. Uh, he wasn't going to use uh, fancy speech uh, for him to be followed. But he wanted Christ to be followed and Christ alone. So when he came to Corinth, he came in weakness and in trembling. And I love this because, you know, when we think of Paul, you know, we can often think of a rough and tough bloke, you know, oozing with confidence in the face of opposition. Yeah, I wrote Romans. Uh, but here, we see that he is just an ordinary person who God did extraordinary work through. He is trembling. But he faithfully proclaimed Christ, so that, verse 5, your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. Uh, here at St. Bart's, you'll always hear whoever's preaching say, uh, please have your Bibles open, or look with me at verse X, Y, and Z. And this isn't just to give us something to do, but because we want you to make sure that you aren't relying on our wisdom. Trust me, don't rely on my wisdom. <laughs> but rely on the authority of God's Word. So have your Bibles open. But secondly, also here at St. Bart's, we recently launched Vision 2025. And we didn't just do this because it's a good thing to do. No, we did this as a church in order that Jesus Christ and Jesus crucified may be preached now and for generations to come. And when I look at this document, I'm absolutely blown away and it also makes me weak. How on earth are we going to do this? But you see, it's from places of weakness and total and utter reliance on him that God uses people for his kingdom purposes. We can't rely on ourselves. We can't rely on our own wisdom. For it pales in comparison to God's power. And this is the same for us as individuals. If we try and rely on our own power, if we try and work ourselves up to God, it just won't work. For we are powerless, we are weak, we are unable. And I know some of you may be thinking, well, Michael, I get this. I'm a saved by grace alone, through faith alone, for God's glory alone kind of person. I know, me too. But it's all too often that I've heard people say, and I've heard the little voice which says, I've been a good person. I've done enough. You've done some good works. Good job on that. It's human nature to want to contribute something to our salvation. But we don't. And we can't. 
but all we can do is to look upon Jesus. Lay down our attempts to live our lives in our own power. Lay down our lives for him. Be weak before him. And bask in his power, in his love, and his grace for us through the wisdom of the cross. Now and forevermore. Amen.